Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport. Tonight, it is all about the tight ends. I mean, the ones on the football field. I'm not trying to get myself in trouble with anyone. A little bit smaller crew than we've had the last couple weeks, so we still got plenty of fantasy minds to help you these next two weekends. we got two big fantasy draft weekends left. I'm joined this evening by Todd Latsky. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing very well, Gary. Thank you much. It's actually been a very nice couple of days here in uh, the, the land of 10,000 lakes. Uh, very pleasant, all things considered, because it's been kind of a wet and wild summer so far. And we are also joined this evening by the man in black, Ryan Black. How's it going, sir? I'm doing great, Gary. Like I said, it's uh, supposed to be storming tonight, and somehow the sun starts shining, so that's got to be a good sign for tonight's show. Hey, we made it through the eclipse without alien invaders or anything along those lines, Death Star, so I'm feeling pretty good about this week, personally. (laughs) All right. Tonight's show, as I said, is about the tight end position we've already discussed the wide receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks, all those shows are available in our archives at Log Talk Radio and on iTunes. One of the top wide receivers, of course, got a bit of a scare this past Monday night. Odell Beckham sprained his ankle against the Cleveland Browns on what is either, depending on your perspective, a football play or, oh, my God, oh, my God, the dirtiest hit ever in the history of the NFL. I tend to lean toward it was the former. Beckham, maybe he's going to miss week one. They're not sure at this point. I don't know that maybe it it drops him behind Julio Jones on draft boards. I wouldn't make too big. I'm not making any seismic shifts on my draft board after what happened Monday night. Would you gentlemen agree? Yes, but, you know, and we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, and most fans out there, I think, agree with us that the preseason is way too long. Cut it down to two games. Don't have it at four because of situations like this. There's also a big reason why the Steelers aren't so very concerned about Le'Veon Bell and him staying away because this is a perfect example of why they're not so concerned because he'll be there for week one and he's not going to get injured now, and the games don't count. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, You think two years ago, a la Jordy Nelson, uh, Aaron Rodgers made it perfectly clear how he felt about it. But, uh, yeah, and it seemed – I saw the interview, and OBJ, he certainly seemed to take it like a man. Like, I was a bit surprised. I thought he'd have a hissy fit, but – um, I think drafters are going to be a little bit scared. Like you said, I wouldn't be either, but if you want to interchange Julio with OBJ, which, whichever. Hey, if nothing else, you know, maybe if you're sitting in that six, seven hole, 
you find yourself all all of a sudden in what our old co-host Wally Sperling loved to call a position of value because the, the ankle makes the folks in front of you just skittish enough that they let Beckham fall in your lap, which, I mean, even if I don't have Beckham for week one, whatever, that's why I have depth in my wide receiver core. If I don't have a guy at the back end that I can plug in for a week to start the season, then I must not have built a very good team to begin with. But enough about wide receivers. We talked about them. They get enough run as it is. Tonight it's all about what has become the most frustrating position in fantasy football to try to figure out each year. People drive themselves nuts on the tight ends, and it can make a big difference on your fantasy squad, whether or not you're able to guess right, especially a lot of questions at the top end. Starting with what I believe just about everyone would say is the number one fantasy tight end. We know him. We love him. He likes to party. Rob Gronkowski of the New England Patriots. I'll go to you first with this, Ryan. How early is too early to draft Gronk on draft day? Too early. That's tough. Um, uh, I would say... I'm happy taking him in the middle of the second. So I would say the early second, maybe late first, is a little bit too trigger happy. But I don't think I could talk you out of it because I understand what he brings to the table. And did you see the funny thing about him? How he's like adopting Tom half half of Tom Brady's whole diet and like he's cut off alcohol and I think coffee was the other thing or something sweet. It's just nuts. I wonder if that's actually true, but either way, he's healthy right now. If you want to take him in the middle of the second, be happy. I'd rather wait till the end of the second, maybe the early third, but be my guest. I can't talk you out of it. I don't, to me, the idea of Gronk cutting out alcohol sounds like fake news, but I, it's just my opinion. I actually, when I won the Fantasy Sports Writers Association Award for Print Article of the Year, that was on an article about Gronkowski back in 2015, and it was arguing whether or not Gronk was worthy of the number one overall pick in a fantasy football draft because of the ceiling he has that is just I mean, if he can stay healthy and he comes anywhere close to that ceiling, which we've seen Gronk's ceiling, we saw it in 2011, it's, you're talking a touchdown a game better than any other tight end. Now, obviously, since then, he's missed time in every year, and he hasn't really hit that ceiling. But he's, he's the king of risk-reward targets. Todd, do you think mid-second sounds about right? Actually, I think it, I would actually veer towards the start of the third before picking him because of his injuries. Yes, the payoff can be huge with him, but there's also a lot of missed time from him. And when I'm looking at my roster, at the very top of my roster, I want a lot of stability wherever I can get it. And I just don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling about a lot of stability with Gronk because of his, well, number one, his back. His back has given him all kinds of problems. Uh, I 
I fear for the worst. I, I love the guy. I love the player. He's a phenomenal fantasy football performer. But there's, I think, too much risk with his back to grade him at a round one or even round two level. Well, given that, Mr. Lasky, that's a nice little segue into the next question I was going to posit to you, gentlemen. Would you consider, coming off the phenomenal season that he had last year for the Kansas City Chiefs, taking Travis Kelsey ahead of Rob Gronkowski? Uh, no, oh, no I, I still think Gronk is the number one tight end off the board. But as a whole, um, and I, I actually thought you were going to veer a little different way with this question. I, I was expecting something regarding Kelsey, but I was actually expecting you to veer it towards us. He the number two, or is Jordan Reed the number two? But we can get to that well, in, we'll a, get, in a moment. So we'll we can get, get to that in a moment. That. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, Gronk is still the top tight end off the board. Um, like you said, his ceiling is so much higher. And at uh, in the third round, I definitely take Gronk over Kelsey, or Kelsey, however you want to pronounce his name. Um, I think uh, he had a great year last year for the Chiefs, but I think that may have been more or less his ceiling, whereas we have seen in the past that Gronk can do much, much more. What do you think, Ryan? Do you think last year was Kelsey's ceiling, or do you think this year with Jeremy Macklin gone, you know, it seems to me they're going to need him that much more in the passing game? Could we see even more? from the youngster in 2017? I think we can, but I just can't get out of my head that the most touchdowns he's ever had is five, and it just bothers me. Um, he did have over 1,000 yards, but I looked at it. Last year was a down year, and uh, he had the same statistics from last year, put the 2015, he would have been the tight end, I believe, seven or eight in half PPR. Either way, that just tells you something. I I just don't trust Alex Smith like I do Tom Brady. Call me outlanders to say that, but um, no, you're, that's that's crazy, crazy, talk. crazy talk. I said, I know, <laughs> but no, I mean he just doesn't have that double-digit touchdown ceiling. So I, I love the guy. I think if you're in a PPR league, he's a perfectly safe late third-round pick, early fourth round. But, no, it's got to go to Kronk. I think you hit on the word with Kelsey, safe. If you're a risk-averse fantasy drafter and you want that high-end tight end, then there's two guys that I think you're probably going to want to target, either Travis Kelsey or Greg Olson. I don't know that either is going to contend to be the number one tight end, but they're also not the type that you're going to look at the box score Sunday afternoon and be like, did he play? He's going to get his every week. Maybe it's not going to be, you know, eight catches for a buck 20 and two touchdowns like Gronk is capable of putting up. And once again, in fantasy football, a lot of it is tolerance for risk. You know, some people go out, draft Zeke in the second round, Gronk in the third round, and just go crazy. Vegas, baby. And other people want no part of that sort of team. So, to each their own, different strokes for different strokes. Mr. Lasky, you already mentioned him. Sounds like you want to talk him up a little bit. 
Jordan Reed, who appears to be, he might even be back on the practice field. If not, he's nearing a return. I haven't really had a chance to pour through today's news as much. That custom orthotic appears to have his foot feeling better. His ADP has dropped steadily of late in the deathmatch draft that we're still going through at Fantasy Sharks, hosted by MyFantasyLeague.com, or free plug. I got Jordan Reed outside the top 100 picks, which just blew me in the 11th round, just blew me away. I figured at that point I had to pull the trigger. Are we selling Jordan Reed short? Yes, I I firmly believe we are. Um, When he's on the field, and that's the the big question, when he's on the field, or the big statement, when he's on the field, he performs, and he performs at a high, high level but he does seem to have a history with injuries. On the field, his athleticism really shows out, and he is a top tight end. He's still not Gronk, but I think he is very capable of being that number two tight end if he's healthy all year, because at times he can just take control of the game and he can dominate. And let's face it, when you look at the Redskins and what happened with their passing game from last year and all the targets that they lost, their top three wide receivers, I believe, are all, or their top two for sure are gone. But there's a lot of open targets, which could mean that he could pass his throne his direction if he's on the field. Again, that's the big if, you know, in quotation marks. But barring injury, he can have a fantastic year for the Redskins this year. What about you, Mr. Black? How eager are you to target Jordan Reed on draft day? Well, now that he's back practicing again, I think his ADP is going to shoot back up. Uh, I'm very eager. I mean, the guy was scored 14.1 fantasy points per game he played in. I mean, that led all tight ends. He's He's a Gronk-esque tight end. He's not the Travis Kelsey type. He's not the Greg Olson, although I like Olson and Kelsey a lot. But the thing is, is Jay Gruden, he's made it known. The offense runs through Jordan Reed. And I don't know if you guys are watching the skins this preseason, but they have looked pretty abysmal. They need him on the field. And once he gets things going, he's going to be the centerpiece. And there's really nothing you can do to stop him. The question is, can he stay healthy? History says no, but even if you get 13, 14 games, like I said, Gronk-esque production, very worthy of a fourth-round pick, if you ask me. I just – and I have a lot of share of Jordan Reed so far, mostly because his ADP has dropped, and I'm willing to roll those dice. Grab yourself a little insurance later on. In deathmatch, several rounds later on, I was able to grab Jack Doyle. If I got to plug Jack Doyle in for a week or three, I'm cool with that. You can even wait until super-duper late and literally do a tight end handcuff and grab a guy like Vernon Davis, who will be able to get you through that week or two. I just I get that people get skittish about injured guys, especially at the beginning of the season. It's like you don't there are so many injuries once we get into the year that you don't want to start the year with a guy who's already dinged up because you feel like you're just asking for trouble. But he's a gift right now. I mean, his ADT, if you look at the sites, 
isn't as low as it really is at the moment because it was so much higher earlier in the summer. But I agree with you. I mean, if you can get them anywhere past anywhere fifth round on, you should be all over that because you have the possibility of having a significant edge over everyone except the Gronk owner. And you got it for 50 cents on the dollar. Winning in fantasy football is all about value. And right now, I'd be hard-pressed to name a better value at the tight end position than Jordan Reed, although now that I said that, his foot will probably fall off tonight. <laughs> and I'll read the news tomorrow, and I'll feel that. But that's okay. I've got Jack Doyle, who actually I think is kind of undervalued. Hey, hey, I'm the only one that is the hex on the program. If you recall us talking about our quarterback, Well, if you're going to hex people, Todd, then don't mention them by name. The season hadn't even started yet, buddy. We're going to need some players to work with <laughs> as we get to week one. <laughs> While we're on the subject of injured tight ends, and I'll go to you first here, Ryan. We're hearing a lot of good things out of Cincinnati, out of Tyler Eifert. I read an article a few days ago. I don't know how recent the article was. I think it was from earlier in August, where he said that he feels better entering the season than he ever has since entering the National Football League. Is Tyler Eifert going to bounce back this year, or Eifert, depending on his tomato tomato? Uh, yeah, is it Eifert or is it Eifert? Um, oh, gosh, I like him a lot because he's going – God, I think I saw him going in seventh round last time I looked. But, uh, I mean, you got to think that's a guy who in 21 games – his last 21 games has scored 18 touchdowns. That's just nuts. And that's what you want in your tight end. Is he going to score you those touchdowns? And he has that upside. And I'll say it again here. I've said it every episode I've been on. I believe in Andy Dalton. And I believe that Tyler Eifert's a big part of his success. But sadly, it's if he can stay healthy. But if he feels the best he's felt ever since coming in the league, then I will buy him all day in the seventh round and laugh to the bank. Mr. Lasky. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny that we talk about these guys back-to-back because in the last two drafts, these are my two starting tight ends. Ivor, however you want to pronounce it. But, yes, I am also buying into him big time. Um, I, I, I do think that the Cincinnati passing game is going to uh, evolve, as it were, a little bit because now they have another running back to cause fear into their opponent's defense via both the pass and the run. And I think, uh, as our partner in crime is saying, Andy Dalton could have quite a nice year this year. And I think Tyler, barring injury, you know, again, the the words in parentheses, uh, could have a very nice year, uh, knock on wood. Oh, I, there's no question that when Dalton is on the field and when Eifert, Eifert, whatever, we'll call him Tyler E. from now on and just leave it at that. When he's on the field and they get inside the red zone, Dalton is looking his way. In death match, I'm sitting there, I'm drafting, I check the tight ends to see what's there because death match is 1.5 PPR for the tight end position. Eifert and Reed are there. I'm like, okay, it's a little early. I hit another position. I'm, I'm going to come back. And I decided that I was going to wait until one of those guys went 
and then I was going to grab the other one because I'm drafting, I think, fifth in a 10-teamer, which has oddly been cool. I would hate that position in a 12-teamer, but in this, with 10 teams, having that gap of eight picks on one side and 10 picks on the other one, it feels like I'm not getting left out of positional runs, and I've had a couple guys drop to me, and I've actually liked drafting from the middle, which I think may be a sign that I'm having a nervous breakdown. But as soon as Eifert went off the board, that's when I grabbed Reed. I think both those guys are – the drop-off is right there behind them in my mind. I would rather have either one of those guys than a couple guys we're just about to talk about. And that's what we call a segue. I'll go to you first on this one, Ryan. Kyle Rudolph, phenomenal year for the Minnesota Vikings last year as Sam Bradford's go-to guy. The question is, can he back those numbers up in 2017? It's all about continuity, baby, and that's what it is. That's what you just said. No, I really do. He was the most targeted tight end last year. He was a tight end, too. Um, He ended the year as the tight end, too. And yet he still really gets no love, although I saw he was going on the seventh tight end. So it looks like it's been creeping up steadily, and as it should. But I think people are still scared about, you know, a few years ago everybody got all hyped up about Kyle Rudolph and he kept getting hurt and all that good stuff. So some people have been burned by him. But, no, I think he's still going to be Bradford's main guy, and I think there's a little bit of room to grow. He's probably, I would say – I, I almost feel more comfortable taking him than Eifert just because I think he's safer, but it's close. They're, they're right next to each other. You know what? I mean, if you'd rather have Rudolph than Eifert, it's going to put you in a position where, because I've seen Rudolph come off ahead of Eifert very rarely. So it, it kind of puts you in a position where if you'd rather have him, you can sort of wait, see where Eifert, you know, hits you some receivers and running backs and, no, unless you get, you know, if you're picking toward the end, you don't want to get caught in a run. But, and I can see the argument behind it. I had decided in that same draft, I'll go back to a story all about me because everybody wants to hear about me, that if I did lose out on those two guys, if I could get Rudolph, that was pretty much the edge of guys I feel fairly comfortable with as a weekly starter. I can't, Todd, you're a Vikings fan, so we can't move on without letting you slobber on Rudolph a little bit. Go ahead, homer it up, skull or whatever. Oh, no, well, the skull it is, but uh, actually, uh, I'm a little less high on Kyle than others are, and there's a lot of reasons why. To start off with, um, Bradford's had the entire offseason to work with the offense. Whereas last year he didn't. He came in on a very late notice type deal, had to learn things very quickly. And you can learn a lot faster on a short notice with a tight end than you can with wide receivers. Uh, this year he's had time to learn more about the nuances, if you were, regarding uh, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs and and Laquan Treadwell's been picking up a little steam. They got Michael Floyd on the cheap in the off season. They've also got a very nice rookie with very capable hands in Dalvin Cook. Uh, I can see Kyle's uh, targets dropping off uh, 15 or 20 percent compared to last year. Uh, the love may be there towards the end zone, but I think in the middle of the field, 
I think his targets drop off quite a bit. So I'm a little down on Kyle Rudolph compared to you guys. See, you mentioned all those Vikings pass catchers and did not mention Jarius Wright. And I wrote an article for Bleacher Report published it this morning. Notable veterans who could be on the roster bubble and might be cut. I mentioned Jarius Wright. And let me tell you, them Canadian Vikings fans, have, they need to work on their language because words hurt people. They call me, oh, my goodness gracious. I love fans because if you say something about it, it, it could be the 53rd guy on the roster. And if you say something, you might as well be talking about their mama. I'm like, it never ceases to amaze me. Well, the, the creative insults I like, like I've been called Joe Dirt. Uh, been called a love child of Adam Sandler and a Basset Hound or something like that. So, wow! Well, so, so you're being so you're being compared my to two different followers from Internet Live. Yeah. You're being compared with both yeah. Adam Sandler and David Spade. How does that make you my feel? Readers. Gotta love them. <laughs> hey, I think that's a good mix. I love both of them. Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph wasn't the only tight end who had a bigger-than-expected year last year, and it was, make no mistake, inspirational to see Jimmy Graham return from a torn patellar tendon, which is about as bad an injury as a football player can have, and not only return, but return fairly quickly and have a really good year for the Seattle Seahawks. So this time it's your turn first, Todd. Can Jimmy Graham back up and or better his numbers from 2016? I actually think he can. And if you recall last year during this very same show, I picked him as my sleeper tight end. And both you and Wally were pretty surprised at my pick. But he made me look pretty good last year. I actually think that Russell Wilson – Found out he's got a true weapon at his hands, somebody that's very reliable, somebody that gets open, somebody he can trust. I think Jimmy Graham can definitely repeat, if not exceed, what he did last year. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, no, I I agree. I think I see Jimmy Graham as a very safe type. But I will say, I don't think he has the Tyler Eifert or Eifert, however we want to say it. I don't think he has that ceiling. I don't I don't see that. And the only reason I say that is because of the Seattle offense. And, I mean, and their offensive line looks atrocious. So, I think he's a safe tight end. I think he's going to get his. He, he definitely has room to build, but I don't think he has tight end one over, like tight end one overall upside. But, I could definitely see him in the top five, and he's going as the looks like the fifth tight end off the board right now. I mean that that that's a safe, solid pick. Okay, <clears throat> we've discussed some of the guys who might be a little more high variance, and some who may have a higher ceiling. Then there is the ultimate steady Eddie among fantasy tight ends. I think he's coming off the board fourth at the position. Speaking, of course, of Greg Olson of the Carolina Panthers. Ryan, do you th- is Greg Olson just going to go out and put up another Greg Olson season this year? Or could this be the year where age and or the new faces in the Carolina offense maybe cause a little bit of a flood? You know, I'm not going to bet against them. 
I am perfectly fine of where he's going. He's been doing it so long. I mean, I do worry. I mean, he had 23.4% of the target share there in Carolina. So that's going to go down and that, that led all tight ends, but I still think he's as steady as Eddie as it gets, and he's not going to let you down. I know he fell off towards the end of the year after his big breakout, or not breakout, but his big start of the 2016 season, but Craig Olson is still Cam Newton's best buddy, and he'll always be his best buddy, (laughs) and they'll be just fine. So he's just fine where he is. Don't be scared of him. This shouldn't be the year that he falls off. No, I, I mean I couldn't agree more. I, I think, in fact, all those other weapons make Greg Olson even more of an opportunistic tight end because the defense is going to be spread out so much more, trying to cover the quick steps of Christian McCaffrey or Curtis Samuel. You've got what appears to be a better in shape wide receiver number one. Uh, I think overall that creates more opportunities. And I think I actually tried trading Tom Brady to a team in dire need of a number two keeper this year. And this guy told me that his wife is a firm believer in Cam Newton having a big bounce back year. So he denied the trade and I was letting Tom Brady go on the cheap because I had enough keepers and I, you know, I had enough keepers, and I could afford just for an extra draft pick. But this guy chose, because of his wife, Cam Newton, believing in a big year. And I I back that up. I think Cam Newton does have a big year, and Greg Olson is a big part of it. Now, 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 I love my better half dearly. She truly is my better half. But I hope you gave that dude some flack when his answer for why he couldn't make the trade was my wife won't let me. <laughs> well, we've been buddies for about 25 years. Uh, we've been known to give each other, oh, a difficult time uh, on more than one occasion. So uh, it comes and it goes on both sides. So I, I do love his wife, so i got to respect it. But at the same time, I will give him a little poke in the ribs every now and then and kind of kindly remind him of that. Oh, is this your team or her team? So, and tell her, yeah, exactly. Tell her to get her own team. She wants to get up <laughs> in it. Get up in it. Mix it up. Yeah. Of course, then when you yeah. get, then when you get beat, I think my better half had a better record than I did in both of the leagues we were in together last year. So that wasn't at all awkward. Now, the other sort of steady Eddie type, or at least he was a steady Eddie type, he already had a bit of a slide last year after a fantastic 2015 season. Ryan, with all the new faces in the passing game in Tennessee, have we seen the last of Delaney Walker as even having the potential to be a top-five fantasy tight end? Yeah, I think we have. Uh, it, it pains me to say that. It really does. I just – I don't see how the targets are going to get there to him. Um, and I've – we've all said we think Mariota's going to have a great year, but it's not all going to funnel through Delaney Walker, and he's going right after Kyle Rudolph. Um, 
it's just a bit too early. I don't think he has a top five upside. I think he he could definitely finish top ten, you know, ten nine area. But I just don't. He doesn't have any sort of upside that you crave with the tight end when you pick him. He's just a boring pick that's most likely going to let you down at the end of the year. Todd, no, I I would still be a firm buyer in him. Uh, because of his steady production over the last several years. And now that there's even more weapons, uh, they're going to be able to cover him less. I do like Eric Decker in that offense. I do like the the new rookie out there that they got. Uh, I think he's going to open up the field some. You've got, obviously, two threats out of the backfield. There's too many people to cover in that offense. And so I think Delaney Walker once again, enjoys a nice year because they're going to have to do nothing but single coverage him, and he's going to get open early and often. I will say this. Uh, the the tight ends we've discussed so far on the show, that's my list of tight ends. That It's my I want to get one of these guys list. I don't necessarily want to go any farther down the list than there before I have my weekly starter. Now, that's not to say that it's always worked out that way, but I think so far as reliability from week to week goes, we've just about hit the end of the line here. Now, there are going to be some guys who are going to go on to have good years. One or two of the guys from the list we just said, probably going to disappoint. But from here out, the question marks get a lot bigger on the tight end, which means you're going to have to find a guy that's undervalued, find a guy who is going to outperform his draft position. Ryan, who is that tight end in 2017? It's funny. If you had asked me before that Sammy Watkins trade, uh, Jordan Matthews, that whole fiasco, I wouldn't have even thought of this guy. But Zach Ertz is screaming out at me, going off off as the 10th tight end off the board and he's been a tight end one the past two seasons I know he was drafted way earlier the past two years I get it and people weren't excited about how he started and people got to remember what the first half of the season last year man good gosh excuse me but he was third in fantasy points per game Oh, gosh. I've lost my voice. Todd, take it off. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Sorry to hear that. Um, I agree with Zach Ertz a lot, but I'm going to go much deeper. Uh, I'm going to save Jack Doyle for you uh, since uh, you already started talking about him. Even further down the list, I think there's a lot of open targets available for Kobe Fleener down with the New Orleans Saints uh, with a running back that is going to prevent you from putting eight in a box, and with the fact that you still have Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback, throwing the ball, uh, I think even though Kobe Fleener has a tendency to drop some passes, I think he could have a huge year uh, since uh, uh, Brandon Cooks is now gone, uh, providing more targets for him. Uh, I like Fleener an awful lot as Going off at number 152 in the draft, uh, yeah, sign me up, please. And Kobe Fleener is certainly coming off the board at a discount, and I think part of the reason for that is 
he was everyone's favorite sleeper darling at the tight end position. I mean, everyone was high on Kobe Slinger last year. And he face-planted. And fantasy owners have long memories, especially if you face-plant. It's the proverbial an elephant never forgets. So as late as he's going off, I mean, there's a guy right there that you mentioned, Kobe Slinger. If you want to draft Jordan Reed earlier and you get a Kobe Slinger later as an insurance policy, there's your one-two punch, especially – you know, we're getting into a lot more leagues where tight ends maybe get a bump in PPR, get a point and a quarter or a point and a half per catch. And we're seeing where sometimes people want to even flex tight ends. So I won't argue the Fleener pick. Zach Ertz was an absolute monster down the stretch last year, and I believe he did the same thing the year before. It gets really hot late in the season, you know, which just so happens to be fantasy playoffs time. I like Jack Doyle. And, you know, he's coming off as a low-end starter, usually 10th, 11th, 12th. At the tight end position, you know, we saw, I think, a taste of what he could do last year. And, yes, some of it will hinge on how quickly the Colts get Andrew Luck back on the field, but Luck is not shy about throwing to the tight end. So if I miss out on my list of reliable tight end guys, Doyle seems to be the guy who's working his way onto quite a few of my rosters. Who's overvalued, Todd? Who's that tight end that you look at and you say, oh, at that ADP, I don't think so. Well, and actually, highly praised coming out of college, the number one tight end drafted this year, uh, O.J. Howard with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, this guy has got a bright, bright future. But I think to start off with, with the weapons they have on that offense, plus they've got a uh, – a tight end in Cameron Bright who performed very nicely last year. I don't think O.J. Howard can live up to the number 12 overall tight end hype uh, going off at uh, pick number 118. Uh, I don't see him getting near that many chances. In fact, I can see him being utilized a lot more as a blocking tight end this year and learning more of the nuances of the route running. As we've seen in the past, tight ends, especially as rookies, seem to t- start off their careers kind of slow. I don't think he's worth the value at the number 12 tight end that he's coming off as. Brian, were you able to find your voice, or is it still missing in action? It has came back. I'm not sure what happened there. (laughs) (laughs) I think in my head, talking good about Zach Ertz really pained my body to do it, so it just had to stop me, but (laughs) I really do like him this year. Um, I just can't get out of my head Martellus Bennett. I know he's only going as the tight end 11, but Aaron Rodgers has only produced two tight end ones in his entire career. One was our old buddy, Jermichael Finley, and everybody remembers Richard Rodgers. That was the year of the famous Hail Mary. And it's just not there in Green Bay. I really like Martellus Bennett, and he's a big name but I think people are expecting something that they shouldn't in that Green Bay offense, and that's not an offense that runs with the tight ends. Uh, if you can get them later, I guess it's an okay, but it's a tight end 11, 96th overall. That's way too early. You just – that was my guy, and for the very reasons you mentioned, I mean, yes, the Green Bay Packers have a phenomenal offense and a great quarterback – 
and we saw him use Jared Cook in the postseason last year, which is after fantasy season ends, folks. But like you said, the, the Green Bay offense just doesn't produce fantasy-relevant tight ends. I know Bennett's talented, and this isn't to say that he won't have a big week or two, but it's a 14-, 15-week season, and I think the people who draft him as their fantasy starter are setting themselves up to be disappointed. Now, maybe you got caught on a run. Maybe you forgot that your team needs a starting tight end. It's late. There's 20 tight ends already off the board. Todd, who's your Hail Mary pass, your deep sleeper at the position? Well, we've seen all kinds of disasters strike uh, with the Jets this year. Um, Obviously, they're going to be behind a lot, if not always. Uh, But somebody's going to have to try and help out and catch passes. And I've heard that he has looked very good this year. Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, was drafted very highly a few years back. For some reason, his head was not quite screwed on straight. I've heard that he's made improvements in that area as well as his overall body and physical physical body working out, that sort of thing. As a deep, deep sleeper, if I'm in dire need, he's coming off at pick 200. Uh, he would be a guy that I would rely on. If nothing else, maybe he gets me some garbage time points. Ryan, who's your in case of emergency break glass tight end? I actually pulled this off this weekend because people just kept drafting tight ends left and right, and I punted the position to the last round. And I happily, and I mean that, happily took Jesse James in the last round. And before everybody goes hollering and ever getting all upset about it, but he week one, because you can't stream the tight end position, but week one he faces Cleveland, who was number one uh, about being – giving up fantasy points to tight ends. Everyone knows Big Ben likes his tight ends. He's six foot seven. He's going to be a red zone guy. Do I think he's going to be a big yardage guy? No. But can he get score of seven, eight touchdowns on the year? Yeah, he can. And that puts you squarely in the tight end one market. So you're looking at that. It's it's a t- Actually, him and Charles Clay are going back to back, 26 and 27. He's another interesting one because we don't know what Jordan Matthews doing either. And, he can be that Tyrod Taylor reliable target down the middle too. But, yeah, Jesse James is a really good person. If you punt tight end, just take him at least week one. He's got an easy matchup. I know he's old. I know he's coming off a major injury. I know he's got a rookie nipping at his heels. But I feel like we've got a little bit more fantasy relevance to go out of Zach Miller in Chicago. I mean, and none of these, obviously, we're dart-throwing with tight ends now. But before the injury, you know, the past year and a half, give or take before that, he was not a great tight end one. But, you know, he could put up 10th, 11th, 12th numbers. He's not going to kill you. Now, would I want to roll him out there every week? No, but I wouldn't want to roll any of those guys out there every week. Sometimes you just need a guy for a game or two for a bye week or because Rob Gronkowski's hurt again. And you did, and obviously, if you're spending a second-round pick on Rob Gronkowski, you don't want to invest another higher-round pick tight end position. And personally, I think you invest a second-round pick in Rob Gronkowski. I would seriously consider coming back and drafting Blaine Allen and once again doing a tight end handcuff, because why not? 
You know, Brady will find the tight end position, and Dwayne Allen once upon a time was supposed to be good. So, <laughs> as we've done the last couple of weeks, now it's time for a little ADP buy and sell average draft position, courtesy of MyFantasyLeague.com, the finest league hosting service on the internet. Second plug. You guys really ought to start paying me for this. We'll start with you, Ryan. <clears throat> with a ADP of tight end eight, ninetieth overall. So we're talking about halfway through the eighth round. We've already talked about him a little bit. Delaney Walker of the Tennessee Titans. Uh yeah, I'm ambivalent on that one, but as I alluded to earlier, he's just doesn't excite me enough to take him a tight end eight, ninetieth overall. I think I'd rather wait down to the Ebron Doyle kind of phase, and yeah, I, I, I think I'd sell that because I just don't think he's going to get the target share, and I don't think he's going to get what he needs. Mister Lasky, the tight end coming off the board just after him, who accomplished the rare feat of being a fantasy relevant tight end as a rookie, the ninth tight end off fantasy draft boards at ninety third overall. Hunter Henry of the Los Angeles Chargers. As much as I loved him last year, and boy, I did love him, uh, I think I am still uh, not quite sold at this juncture of the draft on him. Uh, First of all, it looks like Keenan Allen is back. And so now Philip Rivers has another weapon to throw to. He already got accustomed to a couple other wide receivers last year because Keenan Allen was hurt. You still have the ageless wonder of Antonio Gates there. And uh, you've got uh, Melvin Gordon still in the backfield. Uh, I got to sell this at this juncture. It's close, but I, I got to sell. I think that's a little too I don't high. I blame more. you. The number that sticks out to me is, yes, Hunter Henry had eight touchdowns last year. It was on 35 catches. That touchdown percentage is not sustainable. I mean, a year from now, two years from now, once Gates is out of the picture, which will probably be next year, it'll be a different story. But I I guarantee you in week one, if there's a red zone opportunity, Rivers is going to look to Gates. He wants to get Gates that all-time touchdown record. So will it stay that way all season long? No. Could Gates get hurt? Yes. But for his current asking price, I'll let somebody else have Henry. You mentioned him just a moment ago, Ryan. He is the 13th tight end off the board, 118th overall, so right at the back end of round 10. People have been waiting for the breakout since the moment he entered the NFL. Eric Mittens Ebron of the Detroit Lions. Uh, Yeah, he was, but I saw as of two days ago, he's still missing Lions practice. I haven't heard anything lately, but gosh, I'm buy- if he can get healthy, I'm buying all day. you got to think, this is a guy who only scored, well, actually he scored two touchdowns last year. Remember the one, he rushed in a one-yard touchdown last year, so he scored two. A lot of people forget that, but um, yeah, I'm buying. Actually, at his price there, even with the slight aggravation, I, I I'm still buying. He's got 
he's definitely got the upside. He's got the rece- receptions and yardage last year over there. Like I said, it just it was the touchdowns. Bolden's missing. Everybody's praising Galladay. But I think Ebron can still be there. Matthew Stafford does know him. So I'd still, I, I think I'd still buy a tight end team. I think that's safe. 118th overall, it's not bad. The skill and the talent certainly isn't a question with Ebron. It's just consistency. Catch the ball, Eric. Catch it. Pull it in. <laughs> yeah. Be the ball, man. Be the ball. You're killing us. And, I mean, it's not his fault he was drafted as high as he was. And sometimes these players get hit with the bust label. The one that always sticks out to me is A.J. Hawk. It's not A.J. Hawk's fault that the Packers drafted him fifth overall when he never should have been the fifth overall pick. He's not a bust. Their front office is dumb. There's a difference. So, and TE, a lot of these TE2s, I mean, if there's any kind of upside whatsoever, I just, once you reach that point in, in the draft, is there really such a thing as a bad pick? Oh, no, I blew my 13th round pick. My season is over. Todd, <laughs> a tight end who was once prominent, who was once a top five guy on fantasy draft boards coming off of back-to-back 12 touchdown seasons. He is now presently located either on the side of a melt carton or with the Miami Dolphins. I can't remember which. The 20th tight end coming off draft boards with an, with an ADP of 160th. I'm not even trying to figure out what round that's in. That's too much math for me. Julius Thomas. Are you kidding me? Now that he's got Jay Cutler, Mr. Interceptions himself? No, uh, i got to sell. There's a lot of weapons in Miami to begin with. And we know Jay Culler's got a strong arm. If anything, he's going to want to ear it out to one of his wide receivers. I am selling, selling, selling on Julius Thomas. I just don't see he can live up to that that round whatsoever, Uh, especially with Devontae Parker, now the new speed guy on the outside. You still have Kenny Stills. Uh, No, I'm selling this in a lot of ways. Man, you talk about two guys whose ADP is skyrocketing in opposite directions, Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry. One's went bang zoom, and the other one is cratered. NASA tracked Jarvis Landry. He came crashing to earth so fast. Surprised there weren't people watching it with funny glasses. There you go. <laughs> yep. That's the truth. That's the truth. I saw it right in person. <laughs> Brian. The 22nd tight end off draft words with an ADP of 171. A gentleman who I loathe writing about because I know that I'm going to misspell his last name. C.J. Fedorowicz of the Houston Texans. Yeah, he saved a lot of people last year. And he's a decent tight end throw. But people have to remember that... I can't even – Houston has so many – what is it, Ryan Griffith? Ryan Griffin? What's the other guy's name there? I don't even remember his name, but he was hurt most of the season. So, Fedorowicz, he came out, and Brock, good old throw it two yards right in front of you, Osweiler, was there and targeted him all day. But I'm I'm, going to sell. I, I think there's actually people going after him I like more. And not only that, like you said, I don't have to tell people that my tight end is somebody I can't pronounce his last name. 
Oh, every time I have to write about the Texans, I'm like, no, not Fedorowicz. Can't I just call him the <laughs> CJ something? Exactly. One more, Todd. These guys get talked about every year in fantasy football circles. We've been waiting for him to break out since 1987. He's on a new team this year. Could this finally be the year? for the 23rd tight end off draft boards with an ADP of 179. Is this the year of Jared Cook? No. Emphatically, no. Uh, I've heard that Amari Cooper is looking much improved once again, but the Raiders had a horrible completion percentage inside the red zone last year for touchdowns. And that is the big reason why they came out and they got Marshawn Lynch was to be that focal point inside the red zone so that they could punch the ball in. They could not score inside the 20 where they lick. And Jared Cook is not going to have any success doing that either because, like I said, that's why they got beast mode in the house. I see the Raiders running the ball an awful lot inside the red zone. So, no, Jared Cook does not live up to the hype once again. And, no, I'm not buying him. Oh, you know if Wally was here, he'd be all over you saying that. Oh, my goodness, the number of times <laughs> Wally Sperlin talked up Jared Cook. Wally, if you're listening to the broadcast, Jared Cook sucks. He's always sucked. He always will suck. <laughs> he made one nice catch in the playoffs. That's it. That's his single head that he's going to show his grandkids. Hey, let me show you my highlight reel. It's going to be one catch, and that's going to be the end of it. Well, where's the rest, Grandpa? Never mind, son. Go play. Well, we got about seven or eight minutes, which I feel like is the appropriate amount of time to discuss team defenses. We're going to dedicate a whole show next week to IDP if you want to play defense like big boys and get out of the kiddie pool that is team defenses. Do either of you gentlemen like drafting an elite defense, or are you both streamers? Streamer all day, really. Um, I don't see – and a perfect reason is the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they're an elite defense. I think many other people do. But do you really want to play them week one against the Patriots? I, I don't care if it's on Thursday. I don't. You can give me Buffalo against the Jets, and then I'll figure it out the rest of the way. Or just take the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know they're not a great unit, but if you look at their opening schedule, it is phenomenal. Ugh, give me, yeah, I'll stream all day. What do you? What says? What says you, Gary? God, you get. Oh, I'm a streamer. All the my streamer du jour this year, and a defense that I've been picking up in a lot of my team defensive leagues, Carolina Panthers. Not only were they a top five fantasy defense last year. But they open the season at San Francisco and then come home to host the Buffalo Bills. Tasty. What about you, Todd? You all up on the – go ahead, Todd. I know you're going to extol the virtues of the Vikings defense. Skull. No, 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 no. And we do have a very nice defense, okay? And if they fell to me, I would be extremely happy. But as we all saw a couple years ago with Mr. Turnover himself, the defense that performed the best week in and week out just so happened to be playing against Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you would have started the opposing defense to the 
to play them each week, you could very well have won your league. And so that would mean that you're playing a streaming defense. It yeah, would matter. So many to, yeah. It, the league's full it, of the, the league's full of tomato cans. You got Cleveland, you got Jacksonville, you got San Francisco, you got uh Buffalo's looking like they're gonna be one. I mean just look Jets. for the team that's playing exactly. Oh yeah, most definitely how could I leave the Jets out? I apologize. Just look for whoever's playing those teams. And you'll yeah, be and not only and that. people when they Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say Keep in mind, if the Ravens don't have Flacco back and if the uh, Colts don't have Luck back, you can always play whatever defense faces them to and throw them in the trash can. There's two more right there. And when people go and draft the so-called elite defense, they usually don't even pick the right one. I mean, Seattle annually drafted high as an elite fantasy defense. They're a great NFL defense, but last year at least, fantasy-wise, no. They don't get – you want sacks. And turnovers. I mean, if you really have to take an early defense, the one I would go after is probably the Arizona Cardinals because their scheme is so aggressive that they get a lot of sacks and they make a lot of big plays. I think they were first last year or second. They top three finishes the last two years. I can't remember exactly where they finished. And you can get them a little later than the Denvers and the Houston's. But I still, I'm Carolina, Buffalo. Pittsburgh, I guess, as much as I hate to say it, is it can't argue with it, especially since now it looks like the Browns are going to be rolling out a rookie quarterback in week one is all the more reason to want to go after that. Stream your defenses. It's the second most important thing we will tell you on this show after wait for your quarterback. Wait for your quarterback, stream your defense, and don't you dare, under any circumstances, draft a kicker before the last round. Well said. You know people are going to take Gostowski all day in the 12th. Yeah, they don't even take the right kicker. No, I know. Oh, Justin Tucker. You... I just, yeah, I'm I, in a league with yeah. uh, the football diehard staff where they even goose the kicker scoring a little bit to where you get a little bit extra for distance. And even then with this quote-unquote extra kicker scoring, the difference between the number one fantasy kicker and the number 12 fantasy kicker was not quite brief. It's not worth it. <laughs> exactly. Well, we have wrapped up the offensive positions, gentlemen. As I said, next week I think we're going to go ahead and dedicate an hour to IDPs. An old friend of the show mentioned that he might be willing to join us to talk a little individual defensive players in our – no, no, it won't be our last show before the beginning of the season. We'll have one the day before the Chiefs and the Patriots kick things off. I think we'll probably dedicate that show to a little preseason predictions, make our calls for the top fantasy options, the Super Bowl teams and stuff like that. We'll go ahead and that, and perhaps at the end of the season there will be some swag for the winner. As always, I thank you gentlemen very much for joining me this evening. Thank you very much, Gary. It has been my pleasure once again. Again, thank you also, Mr. Black, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much, Gary, and thank you, Todd. Hope to talk to you guys soon. We will see you all next week. Sounds very good. Good night, everybody.